Movie Date is supported by the Movie Music Stream at yourclassical.org. Soundtracks for every moment of the day and features that complement your listening experience. Movies at yourclassical.org. Hey, Rafer. Hey, Kristen. Have you ever heard of this movie where this alien comes to Earth and befriends a child and, um, and they strike up an unlikely friendship? I have heard of that film. You have? Okay. Yeah. All right. What's it called? Well, depends. Which one are we talking about? <laughs> are we talking about E.T.? Are we talking about, what was that ripoff that came out? Or oh, Earth to Echo? Oh, God. Earth to Echo. Yeah. Or yeah. are we talking about a new film coming out this week? Home. Not Phone Home. Not Phone Home. Just got to make that really clear. It's not Phone <laughs> oh, Home. It's no. just Home. No. Well, have you also heard of this other movie? It's like a buddy comedy, and one of them's black, and one of them's white, and one of them's kind of, you know, more professional, and the other's more blue collar, and they're... Have you heard of that one? I have. I th- uh, it was made in 1980. It was called Stir Crazy <laughs> with Gene Wilder and Richard Pryor. Or, well, so, I mean, that doesn't quite fit the bill, but that's one. Well, then, um, that wasn't Beverly Hills Cop or 48 Hours or <laughs> what, 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 whatever those were. Okay, I'm sorry. Yeah. That was or, like a very big thing, trading places back in the 80s. Lethal Weapon? Oh, yeah. All that. All sure. That. Of okay. course. And, but, that's, and you're asking me because, of course, one of the movies coming out today is Get Hard with Will Ferrell and Kevin Hart. Yeah. Now, now finally... Have you heard of this movie? This is the last one. Okay. Have you heard of this movie where teenagers, they're out, they're doing their thing, they're dating, they're having sex. That's what you mean by thing. (laughs) Okay. And then suddenly there's hauntings, possibly a serial killer, possibly horrible, scary stuff going on amongst these teenagers. Have you heard of that one? I know that film. That's called All Horror Films. (laughs) <laughs> and it's also this week called It Follows. Oh, you passed with flying colors, Ray. Thank you. You have answered all my quiz questions. That is it. That's it for Movie Date this week. <laughs> <laughs> this is what I do, you know, Kristen. <laughs> well, that's not really it for this week's Movie Date because we want to deep dive into all these movies. Plus, we have some movie therapy this week and, as always, trivia. But before we get to all this stuff, let's introduce ourselves I'm Kristen Meinzer, culture producer for The Takeaway. And I'm Rafer Guzman, movie critic for Newsday, and this is Movie Date. I remember a day just like today. I forget when it was, though, maybe yesterday. But anyway, I was just sitting here chilling. Bet I do life for all the time that I'm killing. But that's okay, doing nothing is nice. Give me one chance and I bet I do it twice. It's kind of like deja vu. Shall we start off with Home, Kristen? Yeah, let's do that. Let's start off with some Home. This is the new uh, DreamWorks animation film. It's uh, about a a little alien uh, named O-O-H. He comes to Earth with his alien race called the Boove. They're going to uh, take over planet Earth. Uh, They're very happy about this because they think this is the best thing for everyone. They're going to take all the humans and suck them up into giant ships and relocate them, put them somewhere that the humans will be happier, say Australia. <laughs> I'll just dump them all there and it'll be better for all for all involved. Um, o, unfortunately, uh, inadvertently becomes a fugitive from his own race, from the Bouve, and meets up with a young girl, human girl, named Tip, who's searching for her mother. They strike up an unlikely friendship, as you said, Kristen, mm-hmm. and they embark on a kind of road trip. Here's a clip. You did this! I am Boove. I know what you want. Can I come into the out now? No, you cannot come into the out now. But I can. You are just having to take away the piece of wood. I was telling some friends about this, and the first question they asked is, 
is there a bicycle riding scene? <laughs> and I must say, there's a very brief one where one of the boob is trying to ride a bike and and, and it's four legs. Ah, that's Don't right. reach the pedals. And the boob have this futuristic technology using gravity-changing devices. Right. And anything that they deem useless, they just kind of suck up into the air into giant balls of crap that are floating in the air like planets. So there's balls of bicycles in the air when they realize that there's no use for bicycles. Right. Or Or they eat it. Or they eat it, yeah. yeah. They'll, eat, they'll eat nuts and bolts and... Uh, Footballs. You know, right, nerf, yeah, footballs, yeah, all those kinds of all things. Those, all those sorts of things. So the only flying bicycle in this is because the bicycle, after they realize their four legs can't reach the pedals, gets sucked <laughs> up into the air. I think six legs, I think. Oh, is it six legs? I think it's six. Oh, they are so cute with their legs. I have to you say... You love the little boob, don't I you? I thought the boob were adorable, like especially our main boob. Oh, I, I, I think he's irritating... But endearing and totally adorable. Jim Parsons uh, is the voice of O. Uh, He's from the Big Bang Theory. From the Big Bang Theory, right. And Rihanna plays the little girl, Tip. Uh, her real name is Gratuity, but her friends call her Tip. <laughs> and uh, as Smack, who is the sort of brainless, bloviating leader of the Boove, Steve Martin coming back. Um, so it's a good voice cast, I think. Um, this book, I don't think many people realize this. It's based on a kid's book called The True Meaning of Smack Day by a guy named Adam Rex. It came out maybe 2011 or so. I did not know that either uh, when I went in to see the film. Yeah, I had no idea. And initially I thought, well, this is sort of your average kid's movie. It's a DreamWorks animation production, so it's very noisy and, and loud, and it moves quickly. There's a lot of jokes, a lot of pop culture references. There's a Top 40 soundtrack, uh, music by Stargate, the producer Stargate, um, and, of course, Rihanna. And, um, you know, so at first it just seemed like a kind of a passable children's film to me. And But I got interested the more I read about the book, and so I actually went out and bought the book. And the book is... Like a really – first of all, it's quite long. Um, it's probably for sort of older-ish kids, maybe sort of t- upper end of grade school kids. It's quite long and it's, uh, as you may have somewhat guessed from the description of the plot uh, about an alien race that comes in and relocates humans. It's an extremely pointed allegory about American history and what we did to the American Indians. And it broadens out to colonialism of all kinds and racism of all kinds. There's mentions of, of the Holocaust. There's mentions of um, gay bashing. It's somewhat, you know, not heavy, but it's pretty thoughtful. Um, tip. And, I, and I do have to say this movie yeah. doesn't sound like it's the same thing. No. They have <laughs> basically just completely stripped all of that out. They've, they've stripped out many, many characters, including one of the most, um, I would say, illuminating characters in the book, which is a Navajo Indian guy named Frank. He's a Navajo chief named Frank who enters the plot uh, late, sort of in the last uh, third of the book or so, and clearly makes the novel's point very forcefully. And so when I got done reading the book, I thought, well, that was kind of an interesting book. It's a very funny, extremely richly detailed book. I really enjoyed the book. Um, and it just kind of seemed like they'd made a – it's like they'd taken um, the bell jar and made it into a movie about a woman who does really well in life or something. They, <laughs> they'd like – they just complete. They just took the. They kept the bare bones of the story. Well, it's still about an alien and a kid, but they've just removed anything meaningful about it at all. And so I would say, as a as a as a kid date, I think Home is okay. 
But I think um, I'm really going to try to press the book on my seven-year-old and see if he enjoys that, because I thought it was a lot of stuff to think about in the book. But I do have to say, when we saw the movie, when the lights came up, I turned to your seven-year-old. Yes. And I said, so what did you think? And his eyes turned into giant saucers, (laughs) and he said, I loved it. (laughs) I loved it. And you know, and I don't know if you remember what I said in return, I said, I loved it, too. Yes, I know. You liked it. You really yeah, liked it, didn't I you? Did. Well, yeah, I did. And, and again, it started off just like at such a frenzied pace and all the blinking lights and the pop songs and all that. Yeah. I wasn't into any of that stuff, but I felt that by halfway through the movie, the relationship between O and Tip becomes genuinely touching. And when they start to understand each other. and Yes, and when, that's nice. And when he's saying... I will help you find my mom. And she's like, no, she's my mom. Right. <laughs> he <laughs> thinks her name is my mom. Right. And, and he really wants to help her. And she, in the end, wants to help him. And you see this understanding develop between them that I think is pretty touching. Yeah. No. Yeah. Uh, yes. I think, yeah, again, uh, I think if you didn't know it was based on a book, you might you might enjoy the movie a lot more than if you were a fan of the book. I think you'd be a little yeah. horrified. And, and, and I also want to say just as one more disclaimer. Because most animated kids' movies are so horrible, yes. if anything's even just a little bit good like this, I'm going to give it my endorsement. I No, I completely agree. And there it is, are so many horrible kids' movies out there. Definitely better than your average kids' movie, for sure. And I would still say, even though I've, even though I've uh, ranted and raved about, the, about the, the book, I would still say that Home is a, is a perfectly fine kids' date. Yeah, and I would say Home is a pretty good one. I'd, I'd say I actually really okay. loved a lot of parts of it. I wasn't lying to your son when I said that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's get to one that's not for the kids. Definitely not. It follows. This is the horror movie we were talking about where, you know, you're going about your life. You're a teenager. You're living in middle America. You meet a guy. You go on a date with him. You have sex with him. And then you realize when you had sex, he passed something along to you. Yes, he did. Not an STI. We're not talking a sexually transmitted infection exactly. But we are talking about some sort of violent haunting that happens to you once you have sex with somebody who's already been afflicted with this. The only way to get rid of this affliction is to have sex with someone else and pass it on and pass it on. However, if the person you have sex with and pass it on to dies, it comes back to you and follows you. So it seems really hard to get rid of this thing. It sure does. This is really bad. Here's a clip. This thing, it's going to follow you. Somebody gave it to me. And I passed it to you. So this movie, I would say, has kind of a Carpenter-esque sort of feel to it. It feels initially during the first half hour or so almost like it's timeless. Like, when is this? Is this the 1970s, the 80s? And, and then things become more present tense as the movie moves along, I thought. Would you say that, Rafer? I guess that's true. It's shot all in and around Detroit. Mm-hmm. And so there are, and there are mentions of uh, Detroit and the, and the state of Detroit that it's in. Um, more toward the end of the film, as you're saying, when you get sort of into Detroit itself, that, that sort of decayed city provides the backdrop for the film's climax. Um, I, didn't, I didn't find that it reminded me of John Carpenter so much, except for the, the score. It's got yes, this, it's the got score this is very Carpenter. synth-driven score by a, a, a band I'd never heard of called Disaster Peace. Peace spelled at, as in like, hey man, peace and love. <laughs> um, but it's a really good score, too. I like the score quite a bit. Um, it reminded me actually a lot of 
George Romero and Night of the Living Dead. Um, oh, the yeah, way that yeah. you could do I one of the, when when the, when this thing it when it appears, um, and for the most part, it appears only to you in the shape of either a stranger or perhaps someone you know, maybe even a loved one. Um, so it takes different forms. They're really these things are just played by humans, and it's kind of amazing how how much mileage you can get out of just putting a little bit of like, you know, eye black on the person and a torn t-shirt and have that, have that actor freak you out, which George Romero was really good at in Night of the Living Dead. Um, I liked this movie. I loved the premise. I loved the whole idea. I think the idea is brilliant, but I found it very imperfectly executed. Mm. I feel like this is the, uh, David Robert Mitchell is the, filmmaker and it's his second film he did uh, the myth of the american sleepover a couple of years ago kind of similar not a horror film but similar kind of uh, themes i guess um and this film feels very rough around the edges it the the beats are a little slow i think because he's not quite sure how to get his scenes started and and kind of make them reach their point and then get out of that scene and move on to the next one smoothly and quickly um and i just want to say i love the whole idea of you know, uh, AIDS and STD, some kind of some kind of physically transmitted thing that's following you. I love the idea that that could be some other kind of out of body, weird metaphor slash ghost slash haunting. And when the thing, when it loses that kind of double reality, that kind of real, not real schism, when it loses that at the end for the sake of the big mm. bang up horror film yeah. climax. I found it to be I, – I felt the film broke its own rules and became pretty cliched. And that kind of disappointed me because the buildup is really good and it's really creepy and fun and really fun to watch. And the ending just couldn't deliver for me. What did you think? Well, I would agree with you. I think all the buildup is very – that's really what this movie is about. Yes. Is this buildup and this what's going on and are you who I think you are or are you just it? following right. me right now because right. it might be it you never know and i do also just want to give a shout out to the lead actress micah monroe micah monroe yes who i thought she was really great she reminded me a little bit of Brittany murphy there was something about her that i found huh. totally sweet and likable and very real that um britney murphy sort of had the late Brittany murphy also oh i, I really liked like... her i thought she had kind of the same face during her later years too oh interesting yeah. okay yeah. so I, I really liked her uh, like you, toward the end, I didn't quite follow the logic of what was happening at the very right. end of the movie. I right. did not follow that. It follows. Did I follow? I don't know. <laughs> you did not but follow it I did follows. not follow it follows at the very end, during the last few minutes. And um, and, and, and I wish I could have. I'm like, did I, I miss something? Is the movie messing up here? Or is it me just not grasping everything here at the very end? Right. Uh, all that being said, I think a lot of horror movies tend to do that at the end. I totally agree. And And I'd say that... I was still mostly okay with this movie. I still thought it was a mostly good date. I loved everything except the confusion during the last few minutes of it. And so I would say it follows, follow it to the theater. It's a good date. Uh, you know, for everything that I've said, I, I would say that too, because most horror films are so bad for the most part. And this one's interesting and thoughtful. It has kind of a, um, I don't know how many people out there have seen uh, Last House on the Left, uh, mm. one of Wes Craven's earlier films, which is a fantastic film. It has a little bit of that moody, kind of poetic feel to it. Um, and it's been a big critical hit, uh, you know, big hit among the horror uh, horror uh, websites and uh, horror publications. And uh, it's rolling out nationwide this week. And, and even though I've, I'm 
I'm giving it sort of a middling review in a way. I do think it's worth seeing. All right, Rafer, let's move on to get hard. Let's get hard, <laughs> Kristen. You know, anytime I think I'm just going to get soft, I think about <laughs> you and I get hard. Thanks. That's me quoting the movie, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Oh, I'd forgotten about that. God, that you're right. Good one. Good one. All right. Tell us about Get Hard, Rafer. Well, as if people don't know, this is the new uh, Will Ferrell, Kevin Hart buddy film. Will Ferrell plays James King. He's a hedge fund manager, millionaire, one percenter, suddenly realizes he's been accused of financial fraud and in his worst nightmare is sentenced to uh, jail time in a maximum security prison. He's actually going to go to San Quentin. And he's so desperate to figure out how he's going to stay alive in prison that he turns to the nearest black person he knows, played by Kevin Hart, a guy named Darnell, assuming, of course... The guy who washes his car. The guy who washes his car. Yeah, it's not even like a good friend. It's a guy whose name he doesn't even remember right, ever. of course. So, you know, he assumes, well, of course this person must have gone to prison because he's black. Uh, what Darnell doesn't tell him is that he has actually never been to prison. He's a squeaky clean family man. His wife is a nurse. His daughter's this just kid in school. Right. He's trying to start his own business. But uh, James King promises Darnell a pretty good amount of money, and Darnell figures he can start his business with that, and so he decides to lie by omission and pretend sort of like he's been to prison and train Will Ferrell to get hard. Here's a clip. We're about to simulate a prison riot. Understand that this is the most dangerous situation there is. Prisoners are scared. Guards are scared. The key to surviving is to not freak out. Good Lord. What's going to happen? Cecilio's just going to throw some stuff at you. Some roosters, some mainly homeless guys, whatever he's got. He's really excited about this. Oh, wait. Don't I get body armor? No. We don't have that type of time. Cecilia! So the title alone is kind of funny. The title, <laughs> the title alone is pretty funny. I, I get hard. I agree. Uh, in that juvenile sort of way. Now, Kristen, let's uh, let's touch on a couple things quickly. You are not a big fan of Kevin Hart. I'm not, but as you know, I liked him in The Wedding Ringer with yes. Josh Gad a few months ago. Yes. And um, much like that movie, he is playing kind of a fake friend turned real friend, turned mentor. Yes, and, that's true. Yeah, so he's, he's doing kind of a similar thing here. And when he plays that role, and he gets to be a fully formed character rather than just the clown who shows up as like a joke from time to time on screen, I actually think he can be very endearing. Yes. And so in this movie, I actually thought he's playing a fully formed character, not a clown. I like him. I like him in this movie. Okay. And what did you think of uh, Will Ferrell as the, as the, the smug one percenter? I like Will Ferrell. I've become a Will Ferrell fan over the years, and he he is really good at being a horrible, smug one percenter who has all sorts of misconceptions about people who are not part of his one percent world. He is so privileged. Too many of his needs are being met. I'm right. going to do capoeira in my special white outfit in my right. yard, and I have to change clothes again to do – I mean, he's just in every possible way – ridiculous, over-the-top, unaware of all the benefits that he has in life. The castle he lives in is not large enough, so he's having a new castle built for himself. <laughs> I mean, I mean, it's just like he's great at being ridiculous, Yeah, having ridiculous notions about people's sexuality, about race in particular, about, you know, all sorts of things you'd presume a rich one percenter would have these issues in their mind, and he has them all. Now, that brings up a question. Um, This film has gotten a little heat and has gotten some very bad reviews so far. Um, When it premiered at South by Southwest, uh, a member of the audience stood up and said quite loudly, 
this movie is racist. And um, I think the movie has taken some heat for being racist and, we should point out, homophobic. Mm -hmm. Um, Much of this film is driven pretty much solely by James's fear of being raped in prison. And that is pretty much the driving force of what James is doing. Everything he does. Everything he does. Raped. Exactly. Yeah. And there's lots of butthole jokes and stuff. In exactly. It too. Lots of gay sex jokes. There's mm-hmm. a, as uh, there's a scene that takes place in a gay restaurant. Um, so, uh, and there are some, there's at least one gay character who figures into the film. And there's um, like a little bit of a homoerotic energy between our two leads too. In the well, movie. there's always that. Kind of, yeah. Right. Well, but let so well. Here's the question: um, Do you think the film itself is racist and homophobic? Do you think the film itself has these presumptuous ideas about what the other quote unquote is like? Do you find the film no, offensive? No, no, no. I I don't think so. And here's why: I think what we're mostly doing is we're laughing at this guy who's racist and homophobic. And I would say that Kevin Hart, when he's actually dealt. When, when he actually is thrown into a situation where a gay man is hitting on him, his reaction to it isn't gross back off. It's, you're a six. Look at me. I'm a nine. <laughs> That's true. Are you really <laughs> thinking you can get with this? You right. think you can get with this? You are a six at <laughs> best. True. And so he's he's not saying gross, gross, gross. He's just saying, yeah, you're, you are out of your league here. Right. You know? And so I I – I totally understand the criticism that it seems sort of anti-gay and there is that huge fear of prison rape. But I think being raped and uh, being consensually in a situation with another man if you're a straight man. You think fear fear of rape is different from fear of gay people? Yes. I'm going to have to agree with you on that point. Um, I I, I guess – I'm I'm of two minds about this because I thought that Get Hard was – a perfectly okay subpar date. It's a it's a it's a raunchy R-rated comedy with Will Ferrell and Kevin Hart, and it's the it's the by the usual suspects. Adam McKay is a producer. Mm-hmm. Um, Ethan Cohen, who was on Tropic, who was a, a writer on Tropic Thunder. Um, two of the other writers are from the uh, Key and Peele TV show. You, you know what you're getting with this kind of stuff, and part of me felt like. You know, I don't know. I don't know how worked up I can even get all the time about all the <laughs> all the stereotypes and, and racist stereotypes and homophobic stereotypes. And occasionally, I I just occasionally I I kind of almost lose track of it, which is maybe a bad thing. This movie did not strike me as any more outdated, antiquated, offensive than most. Hollywood R-rated raunchy dude comedies. Um, I don't think it's any more so than something like 21 Jump Street, 22 Jump Street. Yeah, and you know um, I loved those movies. Yeah, right. And and I thought it was kind of, you know, is this a, is this a really great movie? Should you rush out and see it? No, it's not that great. You know, is Will Ferrell funny? Is Kevin Hart funny? I think they're okay. Most of it is kind of broad, slapsticky humor that doesn't actually depend that much on race. It's just kind of goofball situations that they get themselves into, yuck, yuck kind of stuff, you know, self-defense training, weightlifting, car chase, <laughs> right? And I thought it was kind of like a meh, it's an okay date. What I the heck? I, I think I liked it better than you, Rafer. Really? You liked it, it yes, better than I that? Yes, I know. That's surprising. That, that, is, that is surprising. Right no, I think I liked it better than you because... In the end, you know, I like a relationship movie. I like a good character movie. True. I like 
it when there's human connection, when it's not just slapstick, when it's not just chasing, when it's not just fighting, yeah. but when there's actual heart to it, and not a throwaway line like in the Fast and Furious movies, like "Buddy, I always got your back." But hey, like, a there's real... a lot of there's a lot of heart in those movies, Kristen. Oh, we're we're gonna get to that in a week or two. We will. <laughs> but but in this movie, there actually is a relationship being built. There's time being spent with you know each other's families and talking about how much they really need and love each other in their own way. And, yes. And, and so I actually, you know, I, I thought that Get Hard was a pretty good date. Wow, I'll be darned. And I'm going to say something that will not surprise any of our listeners. I maybe got a, a little bit misty at the end. And, good grief, and, Kristen. And, and, and second confession, I didn't say it before, I got a little misty during home also. So two well, of that, the, I'm not surprised. Two, two of this week's picks. Can I, I say that you choked up during Get Hard? <laughs> Is that acceptable? Maybe not. <laughs> I am not going to answer that. Mm. But, but instead, let's go into a break. But stay with us because after the break, we're going to be doing a little bit of movie therapy, administering a prescription of films for one of our listeners that needs some help. And as usual, there's trivia. Movie Date is supported by the Movie Music Stream at YourClassical.org, a new site for expertly curated streams, unique programs, and relevant features to promote calm and focus. Click to discover a soundtrack for every moment of your day, whether it's filled with adventure, romance, intrigue, or quiet contemplation. Find a steady stream for your epic scenes with movies at YourClassical.org. I'm Rafer Guzman. And I'm Kristen Meinzer. And this is Movie Date. Rafer, it's a very special time, and we have some patients who need us. What seems to be the trouble? Can I confess something? I'm just trying to tell you about my feelings. He's been depressed. Help! All right, Rafer, what's, what's our movie therapy question of the week? This week, we got an anonymous request from a listener who says, Why are there so few movies featuring healthy, loving relationships between fathers and sons? We see a lot of nurturing moms, and we see a lot of dads who love their daughters. But I can't think of too many movies with dads loving their sons and doing their best. My son, 11 years old, recently asked if we could watch Life is Beautiful because he heard it's a good father-son movie. I'm not sure if he's old enough to handle this movie. I'm wondering if you have any other suggestions. Mm. You know, I... I think this is such an interesting question because it is. I, you and I, Rafer, have many times talked about fathers in the movies. And, you know, occasionally there are some good fathers. There are a lot of estranged fathers. And yes, you who, pointed and that who out. find their way back to their dad. Like in Field of Dreams, you were estranged, but you're finding your way back to your dad. Yes, and, yes. And, and Big Fish, you're finding your way back. Sure, Nothing Crazy Heart. And yeah, all, all these movies. It's like, oh, dad was horrible. Let's see if we can mend this somehow. And when dads are good, it's frequently with their daughters who they are very protective of or who just love their little girls like Juno or Taken. Or Taken. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> Dads who love their little girls. It's a but, good point, Kristen. But yeah, the fathers and sons, there just aren't a ton of them. And I'm sure that you've noticed this, Rafer. You're a father with two sons. Yeah, sure. It's very true. Um, so, anonymous listener, Kristen and I have put together a couple choices for you. Uh, Kristen, you started off with your first prescription. 
Well, I love the movie Back to the Future. Who so, doesn't? So even if you do not have this particular movie therapy ailment, the rest of you movie daters out there listening, watch this movie again because it never gets old. I rewatch it every few years and That's I'm always great. amazed that Back to the Future is still so good. Robert Zemeckis. Yes. You can't beat him. So this is the story of Marty. And Marty, it's 1985, is living with his parents. His dad's kind of a bumbling... I don't know. Everyone calls him a loser in the community. Ugh, he's kind such a, a wimp. loser. He's a wimp. He's got low self-esteem. He's just trying to make everyone happy. He's spineless. He never stands up for himself. His mother is kind of worn down, and you can see she's been kind of beaten up by life. And so his mom is played by Leah Thompson, and his dad is played by... Crispin Glover. Crispin Glover, that's right. And Marty is played by Michael J. Fox. Michael J. Fox finds a way to go back in time, 30 years, to when his parents were actually in high school and do some things differently with his parents to change who they become in the future. Now, his father, even back then, is kind of spineless and so on, and Marty tries to help him become more confident and become more manly and not be so scared of everyone in life, not flinch when someone talks to him. Oh, McFly, your shoes are tied. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> don't be so gullible, McFly. Okay. I don't want to see you in here okay. again. <laughs> All right, bye-bye. <laughs> what? You're George McFly. Yeah, who are you? And you see this wonderful relationship develop between them that's not so much father and son as just being good friends. And I think there's something so special about that because you never really get to be best friends with your dad in real life. You might say you're like, my dad's my best friend. Well, kind of, but not really because you don't have that same sort of relationship that these two get to have back in 1955 when they meet up and they're the same age. It's really special and you see some loving moments of them both just getting to know each other and being embarrassed and going through awkward things that teenagers go through, and then also become stronger, better people from their relationship. I love Back to the Future. It's a great, it's a great movie, and and let us not forget Christopher Lloyd. Oh yes, Christopher Lloyd as the professor who knows all about time travel and creates this DeLorean that helps you get back in time. Oh with, yeah, with the flux capacitor. With the flux capacitor. <laughs> uh, okay, uh, good choice. Uh, my choice would be The Incredibles, the animated film uh, directed by Brad Bird. Uh, as everyone probably remembers, this is about the family of superheroes who are forced to now live like normal people. Uh, Craig T. Nelson is the voice of Bob Parr, who used to be Mr. Incredible, but now he's just another office drone in suburbia. His wife, uh, voiced by Holly Hunter, is now Helen. She used to be Elastigirl. They're raising three super-powered kids, but of course the kids can't exert their powers because that's not allowed under the new regime. And this is a good story because I think uh, the Craig T. Nelson character, Mr. Incredible, is doing his best to sort of subsume his wilder impulses, uh, not be the you know crusading superhero. He does sneak a little rescue mission here and there <laughs> when it's you know a, a throwback to his youth, and that, of course, is what gets the family in trouble. But he's doing his best to be a normal guy. Here's a clip. Dash got sent to the office again. What? What for? Nothing. He put a tack on the teacher's chair during class. Nobody saw me. You could barely see it on the tape. It caught you on tape and you still got away with it? Whoa. You must have been booking. How fast do you think you were going? We are not encouraging this. I'm not encouraging. I'm just asking how fast you... Honey! And, of course, one of the messages of the film ultimately becomes that even though 
Mr. Incredible keeps sort of tamping down his kid, which in a way I think is a common dad thing, saying essentially, don't make the same mistakes that I did. Don't be like me. But of course, your kid is like you. And he's also just his own person as well. And you've got to find that magic balance of letting your kid be who he's going to be, which, of course, in the end, Mr. Incredible has to do. So that's my pick for you. Oh, that's a great pick. I love that. And, you know, there's going to be a sequel out next year. Yes. I'm I'm really curious about what's going to happen with all these characters. Me too. In the next movie. One more movie that we should suggest. Mrs. Doubtfire. Oh, yes. I concur, Dr. Meinzer. I concur. (laughs) I just love that Mrs. Doubtfire. I'm getting a little misty just thinking you about are. it now. I just can't help it. So in this movie, our father is played by Robin Williams, and he and his um, ex-wife, or soon-to-be ex-wife, played by Sally Field, are separating, going their separate ways, but trying to co-parent. And the best way he can co-parent, because he hates so much being away from his children, is to find a way to still be in the household every day. He does that become by becoming the nanny slash housekeeper for this family, yes. but in disguise. Yes. <laughs> he disguises himself as a Scottish older woman, Mrs. Doubtfire. Here's a clip. You know, some parents, when they're angry, they get along much better when they don't live together. They don't fight all the time, and they can become better people and much better mummies and daddies for you. And sometimes they get back together. And sometimes they don't, dear. And if they don't, don't blame yourself. Just because they don't love each other anymore doesn't mean that they don't love you. It's the old Scottish nanny trick. Ugh, that whole thing. <laughs> you know what I love about this? I love that we're seeing a family that is divorced because so many families in America, this is the setup. And dads out there, I know that a lot of you are desperately sad when you don't get to live with your kids anymore. A lot of you just really want to do anything you can to still be a daily part of your kids' lives, and you're doing your very best. And you might be screwing it up. But all dads screw it up. All parents screw it up, period. And I think that that's a really great message in the movie also. Even when you're doing the best you can, you're going to screw it up sometimes. But that's fine because there's love there. And I just, I love Mrs. Doubtfire. I totally agree. And uh, nota bene to our anonymous listener, I would not show your 11-year-old life is beautiful. There's no um, violence or anything horrible in that film, but I feel like it's going to it's going to you're going to have a lot of splaining to do as Ricky Ricardo would say. Yeah. And and an 11-year-old can probably handle certain versions of learning about the Holocaust. Like I think he might be the right age now to read um Diary of a Young Girl by Anne Frank. Sure. Um but I don't know necessarily if this movie's the thing to watch because Diary of a Young Girl they're in hiding. Yeah. This is actually Life is Beautiful is actually in a concentration camp. True. And people around them are starving and there's not enough food and Dad is trying to create a a whole alternate narrative of why they're in this place and that if everything goes well in the end, his son will be able to ride in a tank and we just have to be quiet. We have to hide. We have to be the best we can. We have to wear these silly costumes. And he sets it up almost like a joke. to pr- Basically to protect the child's innocence. Yeah. And it's also totally subtitled. We have to point that out. It's an Italian yes, film. Yes. So between those two things, between being a subtitled film and being in a concentration camp, I don't know if 11-year-olds are the best audience for you know, this. Yeah, I mean, you, you know your own child, uh, so it really depends, um, yeah. you know, what kind of what kind of viewer you think you think he is. But, but uh, I, I might 
suggest waiting till you're 13. For yeah, that one. somewhere in there, maybe. Yeah. 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 But thank you so much for writing us. And we want to remind listeners, if you need some movie therapy, if you're having some challenges in life and love and work, if you just have something that you want our opinion on, we'll always prescribe you a movie. Or three or five. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. All you have to do is give us a call at 5717movies or you can write to us at facebook.com slash moviedatepodcast to do that. And you can also use those contact uh, methods for our weekly trivia question. So, Rafer, remind us, what was last week's trivia question? Well, last week we'd been talking about the Divergent series. Insurgent, in which uh, Triss, played by Shailene Woodley, has to undergo a gauntlet of tests in a virtual reality environment. And that made us think of all the many, many, many virtual reality films we've seen out there. But we chose a good one, and we played you this clip. Our killer is a white male, about 30 years old. Carl Rudolph Sarger was had the house under surveillance for about 20 minutes. He keeps them in this thing for about 40 hours. And after 40 hours, the water starts. And it doesn't stop. There is a girl that is missing. Her name is Julia Hickson. He is the only one that knows where she is. If he was conscious, do you think that he would tell you where she is? We asked you to name that movie, and here's the right answer. Hi, guys. This is Mike Lyons in Austin, Texas, and I have an answer for this week's movie trivia. The answer to the question is The Cell with Vincent D'Onofrio and Jennifer Lopez. Um, Really cool flick, awesome visuals. Um, I actually really like the movie, so thanks for the trivia question, and keep up the good work. That's right. The Cell, good call. Starring J-Lo, Mike Great job. Thank you so much for calling. One of our Texas listeners. That's great. Yeah, Austin. Love it. Yeah, yeah. and I do have to point out, Rafer, we got a lot of correct calls, write-ins this week. Tons of them. And last week you laughed at me for saying, I love that movie. Yes. But almost every listener said, you know, I kind of like the movie too. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know. You were really proven right by the crowd, Kristen. Love that J-Lo. And, you know, her butt looks great in this movie, by the way. So uh, yeah. you should see it anyway, Rafer, just because I know you like some J-Lo butt. When does it not look great? Okay. Uh, <laughs> this week, Kristen? All right. Well, this week, in honor of Get Hard and all those movies out there with that premise of I'm a white person who's going to learn something from a person of color. There's a lot of them. Not, not sure. just Not just Get Hard. <laughs> not just Get Hard. Karate Kid. Karate Kid. Oh, yeah. The Blind Side. The Blind Side. <laughs> yes. Sometimes you're going to learn a lesson. Maybe I thought I was going to help you, but you really helped me. This goes back. This goes back. The Defiant Ones. Oh, God. It I goes mean, back to yeah. like the 1950s, sure. the 40s, the 30s. All these movies where a white person learns something special from that person of color, possibly before the person of color dies on the battlefield. <laughs> that or, does tend to yeah, happen. That happens a lot. So, yeah. We're going to play a clip of another movie where a white person learns some very important lessons from a person of color. Here's the clip. It's not a problem, but I don't know. This is Albert, a cold. Eight out of ten women believe that the first kiss will tell them everything that they need to know about a relationship. And believe me, she has definitely thought about it. She has. Mm-hmm. So many lessons to learn. So many <laughs> lessons. <laughs> what is that movie? Give us a call and let us know. 5717 movies. Or write to us at Facebook.com slash movie date podcast. So smooth, Rafer. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad it's going 